The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon, I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for real estate investing news information tips and strategies all info no hype no sales and today we're talking about a very important topic for the real estate investor who's in the market particularly to buy and hold we're going to talk about creative deal structuring Don't forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night at the usual location, corner of Reading and Seymour at the Community Action Agency building at the Jordan Crossing. The early meeting is with Mr. John Heyer Esquire. It's all about setting up entities for tax savings in real estate. John is a frequent guest here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, and if you'd like to meet him in person, you can certainly uh, attend that meeting at six o'clock and the 7.30 main meeting is all about inspections, another important topic, one of the crucial skills that all real estate investors must have. You can get more information about that at 859-292-7342 or at CincinnatiRia.com. My guest today is Larry Harbold, who has been investing in real estate for 31 years, starting out up in Michigan and for the last decade and a half down in the Tampa, Florida area. He specializes in creative deals that are win-win situations for both the buyer and the seller. And he's joining us by phone today from his home in Tampa. Larry, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you. Um, Larry, uh, so... Like, there's no bank financing anymore for real estate investors. And uh, although nothing we're going to talk about today is really, strictly speaking, new, because I bet you were doing it back in the 80s when there was no financing for investors as well. Uh, I think it's got to be one of one, one of the most crucial things for real estate investors to learn about, because the question I keep getting asked is, where can I find institutional financing? And I think that's entirely the wrong question, don't you? Uh, Absolutely. Institutional financing is gone. Um, I don't know of any investors right now that can go out and get a bank loan or institutional financing to buy anything Mm -hmm. except a home to live in if they qualify. But for an investment property, uh, you, you just can't find it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and we can expect that situation to perhaps continue on a while longer because uh, back back in the day in the um, early to all the way through the late eighties uh, there was a there was a similar situation going on. The problem wasn't that there was no financing. The problem was that there were there was financing at nineteen percent interest, which 
uh, I'm sure you remember quite well. Absolutely. 18 to 22 percent was common back in those days. Uh, and uh, that wasn't good. We had to put uh, multiple mortgages on properties so we could afford them. And it was uh, it was not a good time. And we're in similar times right now. The only difference is we can't get money now. Mm-hmm. We can't get uh, the institutional back then. Mm-hmm. I opened up a bank account once uh, in 1979. It paid 19% interest, and I got a free toaster. <laughs> and, and we could, by the way, be headed for those days again. <laughs> Just... uh, I hope not. I, I hope, hope not. I, I hope not, but um, I don't know. Big big government borrowing tends to be followed with uh, big inflation, because um, yes. how else do you pay off the debt other than make the dollar worth less? Um, so just just kind of from the 20,000-foot view, when we talk about creative deal structuring, what, what sort of strategies are we actually talking about? Well, in, in the investment world that I live in, and uh, you yourself, many of the seasoned investors, we, we don't look for institutional financing. We have to figure out why the seller is selling and solve their problem. And cash is not always their problem. Cash is very hard to come by. So it's up to us to create deals in ways that we can buy the property without having to get the financing. So we have to be creative in how we structure the deal. Many times, the seller ends up better off with our creative deals than they would if they got all cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and. Creative deals for the for those folks who might be listening to us and and not used to hearing the lingo of real estate. That's not like creative bookkeeping. It's not that we're trying no. to hide anything. It's not that there that 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 we're trying to do anything illegal. Uh, generally, when you hear the term creative financing used, all that means is the financing is not coming from a bank or institutional lender. It, it typically Correct. is coming from the seller and sometimes from other third parties that have money they want to invest. So, uh, right. yeah, don't hear illegal when you hear creative as we are. As no, we're. It's, it's simply you make a payment to the seller instead of making payments to a bank. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that one thing uh, that, that, that folks who have who have not been motivated sellers, let's say it that way, have a hard time getting their head around is why or in what situations a seller would rather have a payment than either uh, have cash or let his house continue to sit on the market until somebody with cash comes comes along. Uh, what what are some what are some examples of of situations wherein sellers are better off getting a payment from you rather than waiting around to get cash from somebody else? Well, in, in many cases, uh, people have bought houses and rented them for years, paid them off, and now they've reached retirement age. These are not homes that they live in. These are homes that they bought as an investment for their retirement fund. And if they want a uh, an income stream every month for their retirement, they have to realize that we can pay interest. If, if they got all cash for their investment properties, number one, they would have to reclaim all the depreciation. They would have to pay capital gains, even though it's long-term. They would pay it all at once. And with what money they have left over after they've been wiped out in taxes, they're going to invest that at, what, 1% or 2%, mm-hmm. at least by receiving payments from us. We can pay them 5 or 6% if need be. 
We don't always pay interest, but we can pay five or six percent, which would be three times as much income from more money because we didn't have to take all the taxes out at once. And their tax burden is spread out over the, the length of the uh, payback period. Mm-hmm. So it, it's they end up with a lot more money mm-hmm. doing it our way. So for some people, so for some people, the goal in purchasing the property originally was get income, and this is just an extension of get income, uh, except except for one key thing, which is they no longer have to manage the tenants. Right, and it's it's it was the reason they bought the properties. It's the reason why I started buying uh, and keeping rental property was for that day when I got to be old. I want to be able to sell them off if I want, and uh, it'll give me the income stream to live the life that I want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to accept payments because what's the difference between receiving a payment on a property that I don't have to touch or getting a check from my, my pension fund every month? Mm-hmm. There is no difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I the- feel safer with the houses myself. And the, 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 the issue of having to pay the taxes is a really big one because, uh, you know, a lot of folks say, oh, well, you know, long-term capital gains, that's only 15% interest. And, you know, it's 15% tax, what's the big deal? And you mentioned that um, the depreciation has to be recaptured, which is something a lot of people don't realize when they are taking it. And that's right. that is uh, a lot of these sellers that, of the type you described that are, you know, they're basically ready for retirement. Their building is fully depreciated. Every every dime that they that they took in depreciation, they now have to turn around and and quote recapture, which means they're, they're paying it back now. And uh, it, between the depreciation and the and the actual capital gains, they can they can lose you know twenty twenty five percent of whatever sale price they receive. Now, do you right. do you generally find that if the seller will allow this setup where they take payments, that you can pay them more for their property than you could have paid for cash anyway? Many times we do pay more to give them an incentive, but not always. I mean, it depends on how motivated they are. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, the key, you know this and I know this, if you can talk to the seller and explain how your deal is better, many times they will listen. They will, they will understand if you make it simple for them. And so we just try to, you know, negotiating is something I love. Mm-hmm. I learned my negotiating skills from Jack Miller and Jimmy Napier, and, and uh, there's nothing I like more than sitting at a kitchen table and discussing how I can buy their house. Mm-hmm. Made me a boatload of money through the years. <laughs> now, uh, what about a seller who might already have financing on a property? I mean, I, I know you, you make the point, uh, especially recently in a lot of your articles, that something like 25% of the properties in this country are actually owned free and clear between 30 and 40 percent yes between 30 and 40 percent so and and a lot of people don't know that they hear all the stuff about the foreclosures and they think oh my gosh everybody in the entire united states is over leveraged on their properties Wrong. and it, it, it 18 percent are are in foreclosure or in distress but 30 to 40 percent are free and clear mm-hmm. that means there's no debt on them so you can create a, a structure of a deal where it can be good for both you and the seller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that still leaves us with like 40% of all sellers who they, they, they owe something against their property, but they don't owe too much against their property. What, what can we right. do with those folks? 
Well, we can we can do what they call a wraparound. We can do subject to financing, and what I mean by subject to is we we wrap around the existing finance, where we can create a situation where we're buying it for more than what they owe, and uh, we pay them based on our purchase price, and then they uh, they or a third party sends on the payment that they have underlying, mm-hmm. and they keep the difference called a spread. Mm-hmm. So for like 80% of all sellers out there, there is probably a creative solution, but they are not typically going to come to us and say, hey, I have an idea. Why don't you do a wraparound or, or, or right. let me carry back owner financing for us? And that, that, that's, that's where the key comes in of the investor becoming trained about how to do this, how to talk about it, how to put the paperwork together. Uh, how to do all the things that you teach. Right. Uh, many of the sellers think that if they are going to carry the financing, that they're lending money. They are not lending money. If they will do our our seller carryback financing, all they're doing is accepting their monthly or their equity, I should say, in monthly installments. So we're buying their equity in monthly installments. They are not lending money. And that's a misconception that many people have because financing has been too easy to get over the past 20 years. And people uh, just don't understand that there are other ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And and again, uh, as much as you or I would like to say that we had invented this whole idea, the, (laughs) the (laughs) the truth is... <clears throat> this is uh, this is how investment properties were bought and sold when I first started getting into the business in the late 1980s. Every okay. investor knew about it. Every real estate agent knew about it. If they if they were still in business by 1989, it was because they knew how to do wraparound mortgages and they knew how to do loan assumptions and they knew how to do all of this well, stuff sure. that we're talking about again now. Well, yeah, but you have to understand that Seller financing has been around since biblical days, because before banks were started, if something was bought from someone, they paid the seller. They didn't borrow money from a bank and buy it and pay the bank back. Mm-hmm. And I come from Michigan. You're in Ohio. The Midwest people understand land contracts. They understand the seller carrying the financing in most cases, or at least the older people do. Mm-hmm. The younger people now in today's market are going to have to learn about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's easy and it's fun when you figure out some very basic uh, basic strategies. And we need uh, to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some, some of the some of the more technical stuff that has to underlie these, the contracts and so on, and, and look at some real examples. Uh, we are also going to take your phone calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Greater Cincinnati Real Estate Investors Association. On August 19th, RIA welcomes attorney John Heyer at 6 p.m. to discuss asset protection and tax issues for real estate entrepreneurs. All are welcome. RIA meets at Jordan Crossing at Reading and Seymour Avenues in Cincinnati. More information at CincinnatiREIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com, or 859-292-7342. 
Checking on traffic right now, we now have two accidents on northbound 71 at Pfeiffer. The one is just before Pfeiffer on the left shoulder, and then the one is right at Pfeiffer. The right two lanes are blocked, so northbound 71 uh, up uh, near Pfeiffer, not the place to be this afternoon. Other accidents include Reading Road near Glendale Milford, Race Road at Marie in Green Township, East Liberty at Reading, northbound Winton at Waycross, uh, the top deck of the Western Hills Viaduct on the west end, uh, we had reported it was an accident. Uh, it looks to me like uh, they've changed that, and now they're saying they're doing some road work there, uh, some paving work. Uh, Maryland at Summit, an accident with uh, injuries and some slowdowns, including westbound 275 at Mosteller. Your weather forecast this evening, clear skies, a low around 60 degrees. Sunny again tomorrow with a high around 88, and then Friday, mostly sunny with a high of 92. Saturday, a little sun in the morning, but maybe a pop-up shower or thunderstorm later in the day. Right now we're at 84 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. WMKV is proudly supported by the new Kensington Place Apartments at Mabel Knoll Village. The 56 new apartments offer a wide variety of floor plans and access to all the services and amenities available through Maple Knoll Village. The new Kensington Place Apartments, a place to live an active lifestyle in retirement. More information on the new Kensington Place is available at 513-782-2717. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Larry Harbolt, who, like a lot of our recent guests here on Real Life Real Estate, is a featured speaker at the upcoming Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Annual Convention, which is being held in Dayton, Ohio, on November the 11th through 14th. Um, Boy, put that on your calendar and get there because not only will you get to meet seven or 800 of your closest friends and competitors, but you'll also get to see more than 15 expert speakers from all over the United States meet vendors. And the best part is, you waiting? Here's the best part. You can get in with a pledge to public radio through WMKV. Go to WMKVFM.org. And check out all the details. I mean, what a, you get to you get to give money to a great organization. You get to learn about real estate for four days. You get to check out great experts like Larry on a variety of topics. Every single one of them does things a little bit differently, and you can learn about everything from mobile home parks to creative buying to rehabbing to finance. It's 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 good stuff. So put it on your calendar. November 11th through 14th. We'll be talking much more about that as Fun Drive comes up here very, very soon, beginning of September. Also, don't forget to go to Real Life Real Estate Radio and like. You can no longer fan. You now have to like Real Life Real Estate. And you'll be joining a whole bunch of other people that uh, have done the same. I'm getting ready to check the stats here for today. Uh, we have, as of today, 1,879 members and 4,400 fans, 4,400 fans of Real Life Real Estate, all of whom get a heads up every week about what is going on on the program and um, 
chance to ask questions and so on. Speaking again of asking questions, you can send us a question at askvina at gmail.com or call it in at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Christina, who is a fan, says on the fan page, I've definitely been feeling like doing some of that long-term low-cost seller financing, especially after the conversation I had with Wells Fargo today. Ugh. (laughs) So, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Seller financing, yep, the the way to go. Now, um, Larry, you're a big fan of structuring this financing with the sellers, in other words, setting up the payments, so that they go on for quite a while. Uh, what What is the logic behind that? Well, the longer I can pay, the smaller my payment is. And if I'm keeping them long term, I'm probably renting them or I could be reselling them on uh, seller financing terms. And so it's all about making that monthly spread. Mm-hmm. The lower my payment and then resell, I can make a spread on the interest rate. I can make a spread on the the monthly cash flow. Uh-huh. But you know, the seller financing deals are also great wholesale deals. Because if I can if I can create a deal with a seller where I can get seller financing terms, they don't have to go get money to make the monthly payment while they're fixing it up or, you know, until they get it rented, they've got the payment structure in place. That makes an excellent wholesaling deal too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what is the um, I, I think I think uh, folks get get caught up in their brains in two places with the seller finance deals. One is how do I even talk to the seller about it? And the other one is how do I how do I make this all nice and legal? What 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 paperwork is required to, to do one of these deals you're talking about where you're going to pay the seller payments for 15 years and uh, um, uh, yeah, hold it as a rental property or, or flip it or whatever? Uh, one of the things that I've done is I've, ta- I've collected all of the paperwork that I've ever used to do these creative deals. And I have tweaked it like we all have. Uh, they're perfectly legal. But I've also not only I provide that to uh, the people that I work with, I also give them a copy with a number on each blank spot and a list that tells me exactly what goes on that spot. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to wonder, you know, how many people have ever had a document that they said, well, what in the world goes here? I tell them what goes on every line of every document. And that's the buying paperwork as well as the selling paperwork, which are different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, typically, I mean, I know we, we have a, a nationwide audience here. We have folks who listen on the web uh, all day long, but, um, well, they don't listen all day. Yes, they probably do listen all day long because they listen to the podcast, but uh, we have people from all over the country who listen uh, while the show is live. And uh, some of the folks are in deed of trust states. Some of the folks are in mortgage states. But um, I, I think basically your strategies that you prefer all involve actually getting the deed. Is that correct? Absolutely. I want the deed for the simple reason, if I go to sell, if someone wants to pay me off, I've got to be able to make the decision to accept that so I can pay off the person I bought the property from. If I don't have the deed, there could be a squabble between myself and the person I bought from. So as long as I have the deed, I can make that determination mm-hmm. without having to, you know, or lease options if the original seller decides they don't want to let me exercise my option and I have a buyer that wants to, there could be 
a conflict. Mm-hmm. So by getting the deed, I'm in a more secure place to where I can do what I want with the property. Keep it long-term, sell it. I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we'll let Wendy Patton come in here in a, f- in a few weeks and argue with you about <laughs> whether the lease option or the, or the deed no, no, is... No, the lease the... option is, is a tool, but it is it t- in, in my investing career, it is just one of many tools. Um, it's not that I don't do them, but Florida has some unique issues with the lease option. So... Uh, we've had to rethink using especially sandwich lease options. I'm not I'm not opposed to doing a lease option if I'm going to, you know, try to, if I'm into cash flow, maybe I will do a lease option and sublease it to make a cash flow. That I, I don't have a problem with. If it's a property, I don't care if I ever actually own. I'm just making money from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, your 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 basic kind of most favorite strategy is find one of these 30 to 40% of sellers who have paid off properties, offer them a long-term payment at at right. some price, and back all of that up with a mortgage and note, just like a bank would. Absolutely. Totally legal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to understand that, you, that the seller's got to be motivated to do that. You can't force them to. And many people aren't, but there are people that don't live in the house that are not upside down where they owe more than what the property's worth that can make that decision. I, you know, I traded a pickup truck once for a down payment on a house, a pickup I had. Mm-hmm. The person I was trying to buy their house wanted my pickup. I wanted their house. My truck was worth three or 4000 They gave me $12,000 credit off the purchase of the property. We both won because they wanted my truck. I wanted their house. It was a great deal. See, we can, we can do anything we want, as long as we can. You know, the buyer and the seller agree, and it's legal. There's nothing we can't do. We can trade boats, cars. We can do anything we want. Creative financing is a wonderful tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us an example of uh, like like a recent deal you did, how, how you found it, what the seller's motivation was, sort of what the basic numbers looked like? Sure. I uh, Not long ago, I bought a property in central Florida. I found a sign along the road that uh, it, was, it was one of those signs that you know there's seller motivation. Uh, it, the, the sign said for sale, must sell, uh, make an offer. They were asking 62000 and then it had or best offer. So I knew they were really motivated. Mm-hmm. I contacted the people, and um, they wanted to sell, but they wanted the 62000 I didn't think it was worth sixty two. I waited, uh, gosh, I forgot about it. It was a couple months. And one day the seller called and said, I want you to take my house. It seems that they had gotten a letter from the city that their daughter had been living in this house and, and had abandoned it, mm-hmm. and the city was going to demolish the house because it was left wide open. So now uh, it became a value. They just wanted me to take the property. They only owed $9,500 on it. So I agreed to take the property over at the $9,500 balance. They just wanted rid of it because they lived in Georgia. And they were old, and they just wanted rid of the property. So I took it over with the seller financing terms. They just wanted to get rid of that payment that was on that property that they still owed. And then I sold that to a wholesaler for 20000 
mm-hmm. and he had seller financing terms in place for all the time that he worked on that property. I made $10,000 on that deal simply because I contacted the people and I wrote a purchase offer that was assignable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now that brings up a great question, and as a matter of fact, it, it, it sort of relates to one that I just received uh, via email at askvina at gmail.com. And I know, Mike, I know this isn't your exact question, but I will go back and ask him your exact question uh, when we're done here. Uh, you mentioned that you flip the seller financing. Uh, do you do you let the seller I know have, that that's... I have, uh, well, do you, I? No. These people didn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just didn't care. They wanted rid of it. That was true motivation. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get money out of it, but they realized that at that point in time, uh, it was going to cost them $5,000 they didn't have to bulldoze it. And, uh, you know, the taxes were continuing. They were worried about their, their credit history at, at 85 years old. Mm-hmm. I did, when I, when I did sell that to a wholesaler or assign the contract, I did send them a bonus. Mm-hmm. They could they could use the money. So, you know, it was a good deal for me and it was a good deal for the guy that bought it. So, well, let me let me let me play devil's advocate for a minute and ask you, what if the person you sold the property to didn't make the payments to the 85-year-old couple? Then I would stay in the middle of it and I would make the payments. Mm-hmm. See, I I always I'm the one that sat at the kitchen table and told those people that I would make sure the payments were made. And mm-hmm. my word is good. And mm-hmm. so when I get rid of the property, if there's a problem, I will step into the middle. But you have to understand, I set it up to where the buyer had to pay me and I paid the seller. Oh, okay. Okay. So you so so it wasn't a it wasn't a true assignment of the financing. It was more of a wrapping with you staying it in the middle. It was a wrapping, right. Okay. But I, I always have to protect the seller because it's my reputation on the line. Mm-hmm. When I make a promise, I have to fulfill my promises. Mm-hmm. And I fully intend to do so. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we will answer your question, Michael, and we'll also answer any other questions we receive before the end of the show at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the America I Am, the African-American imprint exhibit now at the Cincinnati Museum Center. America I Am presents five centuries of African-American history. You can experience the retelling of this American story as it has never been told before through more than 250 rare and stunning artifacts from all over the globe. America I Am, the African-American imprint, is on exhibit now at the Cincinnati Museum Center through January 2, 2011. More information available at cincymuseum.org. Check out on traffic right now. One of the two accidents northbound 71 at Pfeiffer has been cleaned up. The one on the, uh, I guess that was the one on the right side. Uh, the other one, uh, before the Pfeiffer exit on the left shoulder, that's still the, in the progress uh, process of being cleaned up. We have an accident eastbound Reagan, east of Kenwood, 8200 block of Clough Pike, and Redding at Glendale Milford. Your forecast from the National Weather Service clear tonight, low of 60 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 88, pretty much the same for Friday. And then Saturday, there's a 40% chance of a shower and a high around uh, eight and 90, 92 degrees, and highs in the 90s again on Sunday. Right now it's 84 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. There are times that being near the TV at news time is just not convenient. 
Now you can watch TV on your radio with Local 12 and WMKV 89.3 FM. You can hear the simulcast of Good Morning Cincinnati from Local 12 News weekday mornings from 6 to 8 a.m. And also 12 News at 6 every weekday afternoon from 6 to 6.30 p.m. It's our partnership with Local 12 WKRC-TV. There's no need to miss your Local 12 news ever again with Local 12, Local 12.2, the CW Cincinnati, and WMKV at 89.3 FM, streaming live worldwide at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Larry Harbolt, featured speaker at the 2010 National Real Estate Investors and Landlords Conference sponsored by OREA. You can get more information about that at wmkvfm.org. And uh, going back here to our questions, Larry, that are coming in via askvina at gmail.com, um, Mike would like to know if you have a buying criteria for subject to deals. Now, you and I haven't really talked about those. You talked about wraparounds, but do you do subject to deals? I will do a subject to deal provided it's a property I'm willing to keep. Mm-hmm. In other words, I will take over the financing uh, subject to the existing debt, but it's going to be one that I want to keep as a long-term rental Okay. for the simple reason... I want to make sure those payments are made. I don't want to pass that on. If I did pass it on to another buyer, I would stay in the middle. I would wrap it to make sure that the payment was made. Uh, If you harm that seller who's in financial distress, uh, if they are, I mean, that is really bad, and that gives all of us a bad name. Mm -hmm. It only takes one or two of those, and the newspapers and the television just can't get enough bad press to that. (laughs) Okay, that's that's all very true. Um, He also says, is there a minimum amount of equity you want to capture in one of those deals? You see, I'm I'm the kind of guy that I, you know, if I can make 100 a month on a rental property, a single-family home, you know, I, I will do that deal because someone else is getting up every day going to work to give me the money to make the payment with. Uh, and I get tremendous uh, tax advantages for the income. But I don't have, you know, I want a deal that's going to make me something. But just food for thought, in today's market, where we don't know if it's hit the bottom or not, but what if, let's say, Vina, you bought 50 properties that just broke even as rental properties, over the next five years, and when the market comes back, are you going to look like a genius? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So See, what I'm saying is, as long as someone else is making the payments and I'm breaking even, it's not costing me anything. When the market comes back and the values go up, there's going to be a, a lot of money made by some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so for you right now, it's not about how much equity can you capture, it's about how much income can you capture? Well, you, you have to understand, I, I've been doing this a long time. And uh, yes, I want income, of course, but it's not mandatory. I would rather get monthly payments than get a large check where Uncle Sam takes a large chunk of it. Uh-huh. Uh, don't, don't mean that it doesn't happen, but it's, I like the monthly payments. Um, that just seems to fit into my program because that's the way I've been doing it 
for a long, long time, and my business was set up that way. But that don't mean that I can't sell and make larger checks. There's multitude of ways, and that's what I, one of the things I want to explain. When I get to the, the uh, annual convention, I want to explain to the people that come, there are multiple ways to make money. You can get multiple paydays from properties that you do these creative deals with. Uh-huh. And that's my passion, is figuring those multiple paydays. And, and, and by the way, folks, uh, just as, as an aside, um, if you are not acquiring properties to hold and the reason is that you can't get the long-term financing, that, that, that's not an excuse for you anymore because Larry, Larry's already talked about like three ways to do that. And uh, if you are not doing the, um, the, the, the long-term hold thing, uh, you are not on a path to actually get wealthy through real estate. You can make a lot of cash by wholesaling and retailing properties, but um, go go find somebody in real estate who's a multimillionaire and then ask them how they got that way and they're not going to say wholesaling or retailing. Those, That's true. Those two things tend to, you know, make you cash and then you spend it. You spend, right. you spend what the government leaves you. <laughs> and I, I, have, I have six kids and 16 grandkids, so I'm trying to build their futures too an income stream for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that's part of my plan also their education and can i explain to you one other my, my favorite type of deal that is working in today's market absolutely uh, i got a I, I send out letters to out-of-state owners and i got a response back from a seller that had a free and clear property here in the tampa bay area it was in a good section of town. They wanted to sell quickly. They just wanted to get rid of it because they were reaching retirement age. So everything, the stars were aligning for me to make my offer. The property's worth about 140000 Nice two-story house. They were asking 100000 and I figured it needed 8 to 10 and work. So that's still a pretty nice house. Mm-hmm. I offered the seller $90,000 payable at 900 a month for a hundred months that's zero interest mm-hmm. that property will be paid off free and clear in eight years and four months mm-hmm. and then I'll be it's it rents for 1300 a month so my point is they took that because they were more interested in the 900 a month they wanted to get it sold and I have no idea why people do the things they do but they will if you ask <laughs> And that is, that's one of my favorite offers. That's zero interest. Uh, I just shot that offer out and they took it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not afraid to make these offers, and that property will cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I love those deals. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and 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 there's uh, for folks who've never tried that before. You know, they're they're going to sit around and say, "Oh well, you know, who's going to take that?" Like one out of a thousand people. Uh, not in this market. Not not no. not <laughs> when we when we're running into people that that their biggest problem is they haven't been able to pay the tax bill in in two consecutive uh, uh, half years, uh, and you know, literally the property is doing absolutely nothing for them. I, I can tell you that taking payments over eight and a half years sounds a lot better than continuing to pay those tax bills and not, uh, you know, get anything right. in return. Well, look at it. Look at it this way: you know, what going across the country and speaking at clubs. 
I'm finding that the average time on market for listed properties is between eight and 10 months. Mm -hmm. If those properties are vacant and they have a mortgage on them, they still have to make the mortgage payment, they have to pay the taxes, the insurance, the water, sewer, electric, garbage, lawn care, pool care, snow removal, those are all costs of holding a house. And what you have to inform the sellers is that that is costing them between one and 2% of the value of the property every month that they hold it. Mm -hmm. So it's eating up their profit. It's better to sell today and forget about going for that extra $5,000 and get rid of that, mm -hmm. that that monthly cost. You know, you, if you're doing 1% to 2%, you got a $200,000 house that's costing you about 3000 a month if it has a mortgage to just own that property. Yeah, and that's it's not... Eating up your profit. That's not an exaggeration, despite what, what, what folks may be sitting there thinking who've never owned a vacant property. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I can tell you all about it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. One percent a month without the mortgage payment is is typically what I find it costs to hold a property vacant. If you're bothering to insure it and mow the lawn, and uh, all all of that uh, sort of stuff. Um, uh, we have one last question here, Larry, via email from yeah. from Alan, who lives in Columbus, Ohio. He says, "This is all well and good, but if you don't make the payment to to a particular seller." What sort of legal uh, what what sort of legal process does he have to go through to get his property back? Depending on how you set up the paperwork, in most cases, if I get a deed, he has to foreclose, just like you would with a bank would foreclose. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. nice thing about this type of financing is, if there is an issue, you can many times go to the seller and say, "Look, I've come into a problem. Let's just." modify the note in the mortgage and and we see we can do anything we want so we can modify it we're not locked in to lending institutions regiment their their process has nothing to do with us i have sold properties where if i'd amortized the payment using a, a institutional chart Mm -hmm. The people couldn't have afforded it. So I gave them a payment they could afford, and we just adjusted the length of the payback time or the interest rate or whatever. But we can make it happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, the flexibility is the important thing. And yes, it is not the case at the moment that a lot of our sellers understand what this sort of financing is all about, which means we have to be able to educate them about it, which means we have to understand it ourselves. And right. And, and well, what I've done is, uh, because of through the years I've learned from negotiating and, and doing my numbers, I've got some laminated sheets that I use that's got all the rebuttal to any seller's objections. It asks the right questions, and those have been so helpful. And all of my students, that's what helps them through the deal, because they don't have to be a genius. They don't have to have years of experience they've got it right in front of them that they can use to put their deals together. Mm -hmm. That is where the power is. Mm -hmm. Wave of the past and wave of the future. And uh, you can hear more about it when you attend the 2010 OREA convention. More information about that at wmkvfm.org. Don't forget tomorrow night's RIA of Cincinnati meeting. Early meeting is national expert John Heyer Esquire on taxes and asset protection. Main meeting is Ferd Flick, a registered home inspector, who's going to talk about the most commonly missed things in home inspections and how you can avoid missing them yourself. More information at 
859 We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. You're listening to 89.3 WMKV Reading, Ohio. We now join Local 12 News in progress. Um, not only the integrity of the neighborhood, but the property values dramatically. When the first houses went up here a few years ago, they sold from about $280,000 on up, way up. Plus, they were big, minimum 80 to 100 foot lots. But the developer went under with only about 80.